Donna Foreman was a member of Bible Baptist Church in St. Thomas for a long time, her and Bill. And when she came to Bible Baptist Church, she was completely tone deaf, couldn't sing a note. I worked with her for a number of years, and here she is today. You're welcome for the hard work that we put into that. What a voice. What a powerful voice. Uh, we were very sad to see her leave Bethel ba- or Bible Baptist Church when she came to Bethel. Bill, not so much, but we're glad <laughs> that they're here with you. I love them. I love teasing them. We've had a great friendship over the years. I, gil- I grew up with little Billy Foreman. I remember Bill when he was a kid here. He was pretty much demonic, but um, a great guy now. I love him. Good guy. And uh, we're glad that they're a part of our church. I want to thank Pastor uh, Fury for filling in for me while I was gone. And he's done a wonderful job. I almost feel like uh, I preach here as much as he does sometimes. I've been back a number of times, and I'm so glad. I love it. I'm glad he calls me. I'm glad I'm available to be able to come. I've been busy over the last couple years traveling. I just got back from Calgary, Alberta, and uh, headed to Michigan next week. And uh, the Lord allowed me to be here, so that's awesome. I think the kids are supposed to go to junior church, aren't they? Only the kids, no adults, all right? Some of you want to leave, but you're not getting out, okay? There you go. It's good to see family here. Tim and Rebecca Havlander here this morning, and uh, we're related. They didn't want you to know that, but we are. And uh, we're cousins, once removed, I think it is. I don't know how that all works, but her mom and dad are my, her dad especially is my cousin, and uh, so good to see them. I talked in the first service about family reunion and getting together, and uh, we don't get to see each other very often, but you're really happy when you get to see me, aren't you? Yeah, amen. She told me this morning, she said, oh, good, you're preaching. Finally, some good preaching for a change around here. So thank you for that, Rebecca. We appreciate that. She didn't say that at all, but um, I'll, I'll make that up. And then Brad Simmons is here. I've seen Brad since he was just a teenager. Brad, I don't even know if you remember this. You remember at camp a number of years ago? I think you were probably around 12 years of age. How old are you now? 35, mentally 17, um, 35 years of age. You were 12 years old, I think, right around that age group. We stood and prayed together. I don't know if you remember that. I remember that. You, you, were, you were camp and the, the messages had just touched your heart. And we prayed and I asked God to do something great in Brad's life. I said, God, let this young man be used of you in a special way. And uh, it is so good to see you today. I remember those. Those are fond memories for me. As a kid, you don't remember that. But I remember and seeing him grow up in this church, seeing mom and dad pray for him and for the girls. And Jennifer's here today. Alan's here. And uh, praying for them. It's great to see your kids in church. It's great to have them serve the Lord. And some of you have kids that are serving the Lord. Some of you have kids that aren't serving the Lord. And You pray for your kids. Never give up on your kids. Never give up on them. God can do some incredible things. So it's great to be back with you today. And I'll invite you to take your Bible and turn to Job chapter 1. Job chapter 1. I'm going to do something a little bit different today. I want to give you a little more visual as uh, I preach this morning. We're going to do this. I'm going to take you on a trip to one of the seven wonders of the world. It's here in Canada. Uh, Most of us have been there. If you haven't been there, you need to go. It's close by. I've been there a number of times and uh, have thoroughly enjoyed every time that I went. And uh, that place this morning, I want you to leave this platform. This isn't a platform now. We're at Table Rock. We're at Niagara Falls. Right, getting closer to the falls. At Table Rock, you can get pretty close. You walk down the parking lot area. There's a strip that you can go by, and as you get closer, you can you can hear the noise of the falls getting louder and louder. Brother Rob, turn that up just a little bit more, would you? Oh, there we go. And as you get to that place where the water goes over the edge, I love that spot goes from quiet to this noise and of course it's a lot louder than this but for your sakes we'll leave a little softer this morning and I remember as a kid going up and wanting to look over 
and see that water as it went over the edge. It's really cool. I have to be honest with you, it kind of draws me as I think it does a lot of people. You want to jump in that water. Anybody else like that? Or am I the only insane person here? All right. I, it just, you, just, you feel like it'd be so fun just to ride that ride and then over the vault. Of course, I think I'm invincible. If you do it, you'll probably die. There's only been one person who's ever done it and survived. It was a little boy, miraculously. You hit the rocks at the bottom and it's going to kill you. We're at Niagara Falls this morning and I want you to get that thought in your mind. I want you to imagine 88 feet or 57 meters below huge boulders. 88 feet high are the Canadian Falls. Now I'm not going to reference the American Falls today because nobody ever wants to see them. They're nothing. It's the Canadian Falls. It's the Horseshoe Falls that everybody wants to see and we hold claim. 150,000 gallons 567,811 liters per second of water fall over those falls. An estimated 5,000 bodies were found at the foot of the falls between 1850 and 2011. The water falls at 32 feet per second over the falls, hitting the base of the falls with 280 tons of force at the American Bridal Falls and 2,509 tons of force at the Horseshoe Falls. If the fall doesn't kill you, the rocks will kill you. If the rocks don't kill you, the water crushing you will kill you if you go over those falls. On average, between 20 and 30 people die going over the falls each year. The majority are suicides and most take place from the Canadian Horseshoe Falls. Now, I'm going to get some help this morning. Amanda's going to come up and help me this morning. She's going to bring her little boy. And uh, we're, going to, we're going to go back to the falls. Can you give us the sound of the falls again there, Brother Rob, if you do that? Amanda, welcome to Niagara Falls. You've been there, haven't you? You have? How many times have you been there? Number of times. Number of times. So I want you to come over here with me. And uh, in front of us is Niagara Falls. And you've been there. You know where Table Rock is and the water and everything. And uh, so we're going to let your son this morning go look at Niagara Falls, okay? You're going to get to look at Niagara Falls all by yourself. It's right up there. You just have to look over the edge. So go up there and look over the edge. Look over. What's that? You're going to keep him here. No, just let him go. Just let him go right over there. Just right up close to the falls. That's right. Right there. That's it. No closer. I mean, I could take him right up. Let, let me just take you from I'll hold on your hand. Let me just take you right up here, and, and I'm going to show you right over the falls. Mom's not letting go. Mom's not letting go. Why? Because there's an imminent danger there. Now, if you know Niagara Falls, you know there's a black railing that goes all the way around the, the, the path of the falls. It's only about that tall. It's not very high. You would think it would be, like, really high, but it's only about that high. You can climb over it easily. I've stood on it. I've held my children up to it. My wife didn't know. She wasn't there. And so I'd, I'd hold them right over by their feet and say, look, look. I, I didn't do that. But you're going to keep him back. Why? Because you love him. You care for him. You're not going to let him get very close at all. In fact, this is probably closer than you would probably get. You might stand back here and hold him up so he could see, but you're not going to let him get any closer. There's not a parent here this morning that want, would want their child to get this close to Niagara Falls or the going over the falls. Why? Because they might slip. They might fall. They might be swept away and lost, and it's happened. And we've heard the tragic stories of children that have been hurt or, or even the one that, that, that went over and survived. It was still a traumatic experience, and think of the loss. And so we protect those we love. We put a hedge of protection about them, and we care for them. Thank you very much. You can be seated. This morning, I want you to know that there is a protection in your life today to help you in the decisions that you make. 
I want to show you this to show you again, just to reinforce how important it is that we protect those that we love by those who decided to try the falls to see what might happen. Watch this short video, and I'll come back to you. Life is on the edge for this despondent man. Just a meter from a deadly 53-meter drop over Niagara Falls. One single tiny slip from the point of no return. The man had gambled away much of his family's money. He had waded into the water to end it all. The bone-chilling water is just above freezing. He may have changed his mind about taking his life, but he can't save himself from the current. But hypothermia may have already set in for the man on the brink who is wearing no protective clothing. As Pat Moriarty wades closer, he notices the man is shaking uncontrollably. Although the man lost a lot of money gambling, he did have at least one stroke of luck. Just before reaching the edge, his foot got caught on some rocks, and that's why he wasn't swept away. Captain Kevin Caffrey and his chopper crew are the trembling man's last hope. But a helicopter rescue adds new risks. The rotor wash looks tremendous. It's in excess of 100 miles an hour. And just as Captain Caffrey closes in with a life belt secured to a rope, the rotor wash knocks the man off his feet. And what he had done is when he fell, he reached in and grabbed the same crack in the rocks that his feet were in. And then he popped his head up and I locked eyes with him. And he was saying something to us. We found out later on, he was screaming, please don't let me go. When he fell down, I fully uh, thought he would be swept over the falls. His resilience was unbelievable. He managed to hang on in all that cold water. And then as the ring came past him, he had to let go of whatever he was hanging on to and go for the ring. And he did, and he got it. A pit in your stomach watching that? It did me the first time I saw that. When that guy slipped and you thought he was going over the falls, oh, my goodness, I thought he was gone. But yet, he was all right. What did he say? He cried out, please don't let me go. Please don't let me fall. There's some in this auditorium this morning who are maybe saying that same thing. Maybe not out loud, but in their heart and their mind, they're thinking, please don't let me go. When I was a kid, let me be honest with you, this church had a lot of strong standards. Had a lot of rules. My dad had a lot of rules. My dad was that guy that said, if you want to live in my house, then you have to abide my, by my rules. Anybody else have a dad like that? I think we all did in those days. You had a dad like that. I know you did. My house, my rules. You don't like the rules, you can leave. And so there were a lot of rules in my life. I came to church here, and man, we had rules about, you know, uh, being in church. Uh, back in those days, if you wanted to serve in the church, you had to wear a suit. You had to wear a suit to everything. In the sound booth, you wore a suit. Be an usher, you had to wear a suit. If you cleaned the bathrooms, it seemed like you had to wear a suit. Uh, we went on bus rides with teenage girls, and we weren't allowed to sit in the same seat with a girl. Imagine that. We weren't allowed to sit on the same side as the girls. We had to sit on a separate side of the bus. We weren't allowed to sit in the same seats. And, and we had a lot of things, and as kids, we scratched our heads and we wondered, why in the world do we have so many rules? And many people balked at it, and several rebelled at it, and people get upset about it. We had a lot of rules. And then I became a parent, and I understood some of the rules, right? Then I became a grandparent, and I understood why there needed to be even more rules than what we already had. 
When you have a loved one, when you have a friend, when you have someone you're vested in, you want to protect them. And we had leadership that were trying to protect us. But we might look back now and say, well, some of them might have been excessive and some of them might have been too much. I remember my pastor saying this, Pastor Strachan said this, I remember the first time they opened a unisex barber shop. Remember that? And my pastor said, if you get your hair cut at a unisex barber shop, you ought to be ashamed of yourself. There's not a unisex, there's two sexes. There's men and there's women. And we sat there and we thought, what is he talking about? We're just getting our hair cut. I think he might have seen into the future a little bit today where we're struggling with the gender identity. We've got a country and people who are struggling with, am I a guy or a girl or both or what? And, and I think back then, preachers may have seen something like that coming. I don't know. But they were cautious. And they built big fences, big barriers. And many of us balked at it or mocked it. Now we realize that they were just trying to protect us. They, they were watching for us. I want you to, this morning, understand that there is a need for some hedges. I want to give you this message I've entitled this morning, The Hedge before the edge. Would you go to Job chapter 1 with me this morning? Job chapter 1, verses 1 to 10. Some of you are parents here this morning. Your kids are wondering why you have certain rules. Your employer has rules. Our government has rules. We've seen a lot of them enacted during this COVID time. Rules. And we wonder why. I want to show you from Job chapter 1, verses 1 to 10, the hedge before the edge. It says there was a man in the land of us whose name was Job. And that man was perfect and upright and one that feared God and eschewed or hated evil. And there were born unto him seven sons and three daughters, ten children. His substance also was 7,000 sheep and 3,000 camels and 500 yoke of oxen and 500 she asses and very great households so that this man was the greatest of all the men of the east. And his sons went and feasted in their houses every one his day and sent and called for their three sisters to eat and to drink with them. And it was so when the days of their feasting were over about that Job sent and sanctified them and rose up early in the morning and offered burnt offerings according to the number of them all. For Job said, it may be that my sons have sinned and cursed God in their hearts. Thus did Job continually. Now, there was a day when the sons of God came to present themselves before the Lord, and Satan came also amongst them. And the Lord said unto Satan, Whence comest thou? Then Satan answered the Lord and said, From going to and fro in the earth, and from walking up and down in it. And the Lord said unto Satan, Hast thou considered my servant Job, that there is none like him in the earth, a perfect and upright man, one that feareth God and escheweth evil? Then Satan answered the Lord and said, Doth Job fear God for naught? Hast not thou made a hedge about him and about his house and about all that he hath on every side? Thou hast blessed the work of his hands and his substance is increased in the land. The word hedge in verse 10 of our text bears this idea. Thou hast fortified him with spikes and spears. Thou hast defended him as by an unapproachable hedge. He is an object of thy peculiar care and is not exposed to the common trials of life. Hey, Satan, have you ever considered, have you ever looked at, have you ever tried my man Job? I pray every day that God never says that about me. <laughs> I don't know if he could. Hey, Satan, have you ever considered Al Stone? 
You ever, you ever considered how much he loves me? And Satan says this, listen, Job loves you and Job follows you because you put a great hedge of protection about him. You've taken sharpened sticks and you've made a fortification around him. Nobody can pass over that. Nobody can get to him. And then God allowed him to have a time with Job. And man, did he have a time. God put a hedge of protection around his man, Job. Those we love, we put hedges of protection around them. We protect our children. As Amanda wanted to protect her son, she kept him back away from the edge of the falls, as it were. We're not going to let them get close because we don't know what they're going to do. Every, every parent wants to do that. Every good parent wants to do that. I should say good parent. Every good parent wants to do that. Dads are a little more daring Dads are, dads are a little more, uh, less cautious sometimes when it comes to that. But most mothers do not want their child to get anywhere close to that danger. God is the same with us. He has placed in your life today some hedges of protection to protect you from those pitfalls of life, from those things that can harm us. Hey, listen, we've all been there. We've all been to those places in our lives where we knew there was danger on the other side. It might have been in who we dated. It might have been in who we hung around. It might have been in the entertainments that we uh, partook of. But there were things in our lives where we could have been drastically hurt, but God put a hedge of protection. There are some of you today who have broken through that hedge of protection and are out in no man's land. There are some of you that are making decisions of life right now that are going to impact you for the rest of your life. I said this, that when you have kids, uh, you, uh, things begin to change. They look a little different in your life, don't they? Uh, when you have the, those little babies, you realize that every decision you make, everywhere you go, everything you say, those kids are going to be impacted by my wife uh, used to take a, a while to get ready. She's really good, but uh, I'm the kind of guy that when I'm ready, I'm ready to go. And so I would tell her, okay, I'm headed out to the car, and that meant that I'm ready to go. And I'll wait in the car, and then when you're ready, you come out. And if she didn't come out within the first few minutes, I began to give her a signal that I think a lot of men use. I began to push my foot on the accelerator on the gas, and the engine would rev. Vroom, 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 vroom. How many wives have a husband like that? Anybody? Okay, thank you, Jennifer. Thank you for being honest. Alan, you're a good man. I love you, buddy. Thank you. You're a real man. That international sign means you better get going because I'm ready to go. Boom, boom. And you probably hate your husband as much as my wife hates me. All right? Boom, boom. So one day I did the revving and my wife still didn't come. And Nate was in the back of the van. He was in the back in the back. And I said, come on, woman. And about two minutes later, I go, boom, boom. And Nate goes, come on, woman. I say, oh, boy, don't say that, son. Don't you let that out of your mouth when your mom gets in the car. We'll both be dead. That's, that's in the car, buddy. That stays in the car. <laughs> I realize that what I say is going to impact my kids. Every decision I had, every rule I had, every step I made, and you're doing the same. Fences keep loved ones in and the evil out. If you have a fence in your backyard, we don't usually put fences in the front yard, but we put it in the backyard. Why? Because we want to let the kids out to play, and we want to know that they're safe. We just did that this year. We have some wonderful neighbors, and, and uh, so we said to our neighbors, we don't like fences. We don't want to put up fences, but we're going to put up a fence because we have a dog, and we have grandkids, and we want to keep them contained. And the one neighbor said, yeah, if you want to put up a fence, that'd be great. And the other neighbor said, hey, how about we do this? 
why don't we leave our side open? We'll just put a gate between the two houses. Then both of our kids can play in both yards and, and uh, your dog can run over here and the kids can play. It'll be great. So we did that. It's awesome. But every now and then, my neighbor leaves the gate open. And man, I'm cautious. I go out there before I let the grandkids out. I make sure that gate is closed. I go on both sides of the house, make sure it's closed, try it, because I don't want Harrison or Isla getting out of the yard. Why? Because I love them and I want to protect them. I've heard horror stories of parents and grandparents who've watched children and just for a second of time, just for a second of time, they turn away and the next thing you know, that baby's in the pool or, or that baby's in the street or, the, or that baby's in the driveway and, and the person driving didn't know and there's tragedy. None of us ever want to face that. None of, none of us ever want to experience that. So we safeguard those that we love and we keep those that are evil out and we keep the good in. Let's take a look now at the hedge before the edge from Job. First of all, God's hedge before the edge. God has a hedge. Job was a great man, perfect in his relationship with God. He feared God. He eschewed or hated evil. He was a family man, a businessman, and a man of faithful worship. Now, let me ask you, how do you fare in that today? Is that you? Is that your description? Perfect in your relationship with God, fearing God, hating evil, being a good family person? A good business person? A person of faithful worship? Is that you today? It should be. It should be every one of us. That was Job's description. And around that man, God put a hedge to keep him from the edge. We see that clearly in verse 10. It says, Hast not thou made a hedge about him, and about his house, and about all that he hath on every side? God had protected Job and his family and his dealings. Why would God have to put a hedge around a guy that good? Do you ever think about that? I mean, he's living for God. He, he's doing what he's supposed to do. He's worshiping God. He's, he's faithful in his transactions. He's, he's loving his family. Yet God put a hedge around him. Why would he do that? Was God afraid the devil would get to him? The truth is, God put a hedge about Job to keep him in the state that he was in. He was in a good place, and he needed to stay there. And, and like all of us, there's opportunities sometimes to get beyond the border of safety. And God didn't want him to go there. So he put that hedge of protection about him. Now, did, the Satan, did Satan want to tempt him? Yes. Could he? No. So there was protection from Satan. But the more important thing was that Job stayed in that place. Now, you might say today, preacher, I'm in church. I'm reading my Bible. I'm praying. We've come through this COVID time. I've stayed faithful to the things of God. So yes, I would say I'm in a good place today. Good. Let's put a hedge of protection about that. Let, let's keep going on from here. Let's make sure that we are what we're supposed to be in the days going forward. Can I say this? Could, could we be more than what we've been in the days that we've just gone through going forward? I'm telling you today, if we don't, listen to me, if we don't, Start telling people about Christ after this experience in our lives. I don't think we ever will. Do you know how many people committed suicide during this time? Thousands, tens of thousands, globally hundreds of thousands of people committed suicide during this time. Why? No hope. No hope. No, no, no security. Life was hard. They lost things. They lost loved, they lost loved ones. They lost jobs. They, they lost opportunity. And I'm telling you that there are people in our communities who have come through this and are shaking their heads and they're wondering what's going on and we have an opportunity to say, listen, we came through this and it was hard and we had to make adjustments, but I'll tell you what, I had hope, I had security, I had peace through this whole thing. There's where we ought to be. If we're not, shame on us. 
Shame on us. Tell somebody about Christ. The hedge was to keep Job in as much as the devil out. And you have some hedges built for you as well, people and places to protect you. Sometimes you're from yourself. This church is one of them. This place where you've come today is a hedge of protection. It's an opportunity for you to hear from somebody who loves the Word of God, who studies the Word of God, who, who wants to proclaim the Word of God, and who wants to help people by watching for their souls. That's what the Bible says the job of the preacher is, to watch for your soul. I know Brother Fury, know, know well enough, he wants, to, he wants to save your soul and protect your soul and guard your soul. Don't quit coming to church when this thing's over. I've seen that people, you know, run to church in very difficult times, and sometimes they run away from church in difficult times. We need to be in church. We need to get what the preacher's got for us. I don't know a preacher that doesn't pray and say, God, give me something. When I prepared this message, I said, God, give me something that will move the heart of the people that will hear this. God, help them, encourage them, strengthen them. I actually got this, I'll tell you, I actually got it. My wife and I were doing some devotions together. She uh, has a devotion program that's sent to her, and we read this together, and we both said, man, that would make a great message. That'd make a great message. So th- from that thought came this message, and as I wrote it, I thought of my kids, and I thought of my grandkids, and I thought of our church, and I thought of those who would hear this message. Some of you today may be wavering and thinking, man, I, I'm, I don't know if I'm going to go back to church and be faithful. I'm just visiting today and I'm going to go home and I don't know if I'm going back. Or maybe you're visiting today and you say, I I don't know if I'm going to go back to church. Listen, get in a church. A church is here to help you, to protect you, to put a hedge of protection around you. This church is one of them. The leadership that watch for your souls is another. And then we see the hedge built by the heart of a parent. We see, second of all, Job's hedge before the edge. Look at verses 4 and 5. It says, And his sons went and feasted in their houses, every one his day, and sent and called for their three sisters to eat and to drink with them. And so it was, when the days of their feasting were done above, that Job sent and sanctified them, and rose up early in the morning and offered burnt offerings according to the number of them all. For Job said, it may be that my sons have sinned and cursed God in their hearts. Thus did Job continually. Listen, I want you to know that as a parent, you don't only safeguard your children when they're small. You don't just watch out for them when they're three and four and five and six. As they get older in their lives, it becomes even more important that we watch out for them. And I'll tell you this. I mentioned Brad. I'll tell you this. His mom has never stopped putting a hedge of protection about him. She loves her little baby boy. Jen, you know the truth. You spoiled rotten, and you know it. They love you, but that's Brad. (laughs) I'm kidding. But she loves her son. She's going to protect him. She's going to pray for him. She's going to encourage him. That's our kids. I I still see my kids. It's funny when you leave someone, you still see them where you saw them last. And and, and you see some of these guys. And last time I saw them, they're like teenagers. Now they're growing. They've got kids. They're working. And and it just flies by you. But my kids will always be my kids. I just had the opportunity to spend some time with my son. We went fishing together. We've not had that opportunity for a very long time. So we went fishing. Man, I had the time of my life. I got to spend time with my son. I got to talk to him about life and ask him where he's at and where he's going and try to help him with some of the decisions he's going to make. And I thought, you know, we're out there fishing. And I looked and I didn't see a 29-year-old man. I saw a seven, eight-year-old little boy. It was all grown up. And I thought in my heart, that's my son. 
guy's six foot two, strapping strong. And I said, that's my little boy. He'll always be my little boy. He'll be a grown man, get married, have kids of his own, my girls. Then my little princess is running around. We just celebrated Isla's first birthday, our little granddaughter. And as I held her, I thought, this is just her mom just the other day. What happened? And as much as I love that little girl, I love her, her mom just as much and want to protect her as well. And as a parent, it gets harder. As your kids get older, it gets harder. Elver Barnes wrote, Job, a pious man, apprehended merely that they might, in that setting, have sinned in their hearts. He knew the danger, and hence he was more concentrating on imploring for them the divine guard, guard, guardianship. Kids me kids and without supervision can find themselves in trouble quickly. We assume they were all adults, but we have no proof. A parent that loves their children never stops seeing them as such. It's going to take some time today, but I'm not going to do it. But let's, let's envision today a parent and their teenager. A teenager. Some of you have teenagers. Some of you are getting kids that are becoming teenagers. I was going to have Callie come up, and Callie was going to help out. Callie's a lovely teenage girl. Her mom's in the nursery, dad in some booth, and so I'll just have you envision Callie. You know Callie. If you're Callie's guardian today, if you're Callie's parent today, her mom and dad have entrusted her to you. Something's happened, and now she's in your care. How much, how much protection are you going to put around a young girl today in this world? I wonder, how strongly would you try to keep her from the drug scene? It's an epidemic. We, we, we think we're going through a pandemic. There's an epidemic. There's a global epidemic of drugs. If you don't know that, if you haven't seen that, I would, I would have you contact your police department. I would have you ride along with a police officer. I would have you walk the streets of this city on a Friday or Saturday night. I, I would have you go to those communities where it is just out of control. And it's not just teenagers. How hard are we going to work to keep our kids from that drug scene? It's everywhere. It's accessible to them. Easy. How about alcohol? Again, I hear more and more Christians who are partaking of alcohol. I've never seen anything good come from alcohol. I've only seen abuse. I've only seen hurt. I've only seen destruction come from those things. How hard are we going to work to keep a young lady like that from entertaining those things or having those things? And I know some people think, well, I'll just teach them how to do it responsibly. Really? And you're going to carry that through the rest of their lives. Why even get that started? And some people say this, well, if you say no to your kids all the time, then sometimes they're just going to go against your word. That's right, sometimes they will. But it's going to be in the back of their mind. There's going to be a haunting. Don't do it. Don't do it. There's nothing good. It will hurt you. Nothing good will come of it. They'll hear those things. The Bible says train up a child in the way he should go. When he's old, he'll not depart from it. We have people in this auditorium today that were raised as kids. They got away from the things of God and came back to the things of God because they heard their dad say, you need God in your life. You need the church in your life. You need the things of, of the spiritual help of this life. And, and, and you heard that and you came back to the things of God. Hedges of protection. And Job, a righteous man, put some hedges around. Listen, we tell our teenage kids, be careful of the friends that you have. Guard them and watch. Kids, when they wanted to play with our kids, always came to our house because I could keep an eye on them. We had a kid one time, came over and they were playing football in the backyard and one of them cursed. And one of the kids, about, I don't know, maybe 10, 11 years old, said to the other kid, hey, don't talk like that. God lives here. God lived there, but he knew the preacher lived there. 
How close are you going to let your children, teens, and young adults get to the edge? Are you going to give them a cell phone untethered to the internet? It's all there. Everything that they want in the flesh is right there. Are you going to do it? Are you going to give them access to a TV that has very little limits, a computer, an iPad that has very little limits today? Are you going to let them just hang out with people that you know are not the best for them? We want to try to win them. We want to influence them. I say, listen, if you want to have friends, invite them to church. Have them come to the youth department. Have them come to the college and career activities. If they don't want to do those things, then be careful. How much do you want your pastoral staff to help you with this? I, I, I wanted our staff to be as much help as, and avail themselves to as much help as they could give. Job prayed for and even included in his worship the needs, protection of his children uh, uh, with, n- with no thought that he shouldn't do it. They were grown. They'd moved out of the house. They had their own homes. And yet he's offering sacrifice and he's asking, asking God to watch over them because he knew that they could get themselves into trouble. And man, we can know this, though. The bigger the kid, the harder they push back. If they get by you, they can go over the edge. Recoverable, yes, but it takes time and energy. How many of us as teenagers have gotten close to the edge and looked over and the calling was there and and the persuasion was there and we got closer and closer and for a moment lost our balance and tumbled and fell? Ashamed. Maybe broken. Broken the heart of a parent. Maybe as an adult, broken up a family. Broken up a business. Because we just got too close to the edge. And then finally we see this, Satan's hedge before the edge. Satan asked God to remove the hedge, but God does not allow that. Satan is allowed to touch just Job's family and possessions, but not him. In verse 12, and the Lord said unto Satan, Behold, all that hath that he hath in I'm sorry, all that he hath is in thy power, only upon himself put not forth thine hand. So Satan went forth from the presence of the Lord. He takes from Job his children, he takes his livestock living, he takes his hired help, he takes his health with boils. Satan left no hedge, no protection. He took it all. This guy was an incredible guy. Some of us lose a paycheck and the world is over. Some of us get an injury and the life we have is over. We have one little incident in life and life's a disaster. This man lost pretty much everything of his life. All that was good to him, all that was of value to him. And he does not turn from God. He does not give up. God was right. This is the man. This this guy loves me. This guy knows me. This guy has a, a relationship with me. We have seen through this COVID ordeal challenge the four most important things to us challenge our health, our own personal health. That's been a fear to a lot of people. What if I get sick? What if I get it? We've seen people worried about their families. We, we have to protect mom and dad. And we have to protect our children. We have to protect those others around us. And we've seen this, our personal financial well-being. Some of you maybe have businesses that have been closed for the last 18 months. We ate in a restaurant the other night for the first time in a long time. Went in and sat down in a restaurant and had a meal. And I said, how in the world have you guys done it? And they said, it's been hard. We almost didn't make it. We've seen business after business in St. Thomas closed because they just couldn't get people in. It, it was a hardship for them. It was a challenge to them. And, and then we've seen our worship challenged. We're going to meet in the auditorium. We're going to have two services. We're going to meet in the gym. We're going to meet outside. We're going to have uh, 10 people. We're going to have, man, it's been a challenge. 
If you think about it, if you look at the life of Job and the life that we've just gone through, there's a lot of similarities. The things that Job was challenged with are the things that we're being challenged with. How are we coming through that? How are you doing? Are you stronger? Is your relationship more with God? Or is it the same or is it a little bit less? I would hope to think with the time that we've had and the time that we've seen, I hope that we'd be closer to God and stronger in the things of God and and building those those hedges and barriers again and say, listen, Satan, you can try to tempt us, but we're going to be faithful to God. You can try to bring us down, but we're not going to be discouraged. We're going to come through this thing and we're going to be stronger and we're going to be better than we've ever been before because God has had a hedge about us before and he's shown us his love and care for us and we know that God is there and we know that he cares and for a time we may have been tested, but we're going to come through. What did Job do? He came through it. Listen to me now. Satan wants to tear down every bit of the hedge God has put around you. And some will willingly walk out from behind what was left by God and wander over over the edge simply because they don't see the value of the hedge. That little railing around Niagara Falls, that black railing is to protect you. Some people don't see the value of it and they climb up on it. Some people don't see the value of it, and they they lean right over it. Some don't see the value of it, and they step on the other side of it. And some have fallen to their death. And there may be some here today who've had the hedges of good parents, who've had the hedges of a great church, who've had the hedges of pastoral leadership, who've had the hedges of guidance from other family members. You've had all that, and you've said, you know what? I'm just going to get a little closer to the pitfall. Don't do it. Don't do it. You can recover, but it's going to take time. It's going to take energy. It's going to take a lot more to get back than it did to fall over. Maybe you today are that one that's very close to the edge. Get away from there. Get away from there. If you're that parent today, get hold of their hand and beg them, please come away from the edge. Please come away from the edge. Don't get that close. If you're a dad today, you put your arms up in protection. You're not going there. Little girl, you're not dating that guy. Son, you're not going to that situation. You're not going to that party. You're not hanging with those people. Wife, honey, you're not looking at those websites. Honey, you're not going on that computer. Honey, you're not doing those things. You're that that church member today. Listen, you've missed church for a while, and we miss you. Would you come back to church? We're all meeting together next week. We're going to have one big service again. We want to see you there. We want to pack the place out. We want the Holy Spirit to show up. We want to see God move in an incredible way. Would you come and be a part? Oh, Lord, help my pastor as he comes home from, for some rest and, and a time of fellowship with his family. And God, empower him. And, and God, let him see what's in our community. And God, let him see the, the wrong that's around us. And God, help him preach on that. And God, fire him up and, and help him as he preaches. Put those hedges of protection about us. The hedge before the edge. Today, maybe you've fallen over that edge. And you say, I don't know how to get back. Oh, there's help. You saw that gentleman standing in that water. They did rescue him. He survived. But it took a lot of people. And it took a lot of time. It took a lot of money. But they got him out. Why? Because he thought he was doing the right thing. And just as he realized he was going to die, he said, please, don't leave me. Please, don't let me fall. Maybe today you fell over and you're looking up and wondering how in the world 
There's help for you today. There's help through Jesus Christ. There's help through this church. There's help through people in this church that will help you and guide and direct you back to where you need to be. How do you know that, preacher? Because huh. I was a kid here once. I got a little too close to the edge and just about fell over. Somebody grabbed hold of me by the back of my shirt and pulled me back and said, come on, let's serve the Lord. I'm thankful somebody did. Father, thank you for this day. Thank you for the time that we've had in your house this morning. Father, I pray now that the Holy Spirit of God would strike the hearts of these folks. Maybe to build a hedge. Maybe to pull someone away from an edge. Maybe to help someone come up out of the pit. Maybe to help someone today who's on the cusp of falling. God, whatever it is today, I pray that you would work in a very miraculous way. I pray that lives would be changed today. I pray that you would help us to see today our families and our friends, our church in a different light. That we'd understand that the rules in our lives are to help protect us. That those in authority over us are to help us. And Father, I pray today that the Holy Spirit of God would have free move in this place. We ask you in Jesus' name. Our heads are bowed and our eyes are closed today. How many would say today, Pastor? I'm in trouble today. I'm in trouble. I'm, I'm on the edge. I'm not where I should be spiritually. I know it. I'm not where I should be in my relationship with the Lord. My worship is off. I know it. And I'm afraid today. You've shown me some things. I'm afraid today that I'm going to fall. And I need some help today. Is there one like that here today? Would you slip your hand up and hold it for just a moment? Put it back down. I want to pray for you today. I want to ask God to help you today. Is there one like that? Amen. God bless you. Thank you so much, young lady. Are there others? That's me today. I'm right there. God bless you. Thank you, sir. I appreciate that. Are there others? I'm right there. I'm now. I'm looking at the wrong things. I'm listening to the wrong things. I'm going to the wrong places. I'm hanging with the wrong people. That's me today, preacher, and I know it. Would you let me pray for you? Would you slip your hand up and hold it for just a moment and put it back down? That's me. That's me. Are there some here today who say, preacher, I've got a loved one. I've got a friend. And, and, and they're getting too close to the edge. I know they are. I can see it. And I'm scared for them, and, and I'm calling out to them, but they're not listening. Preacher, would you pray with me today that God would put that hedge of protection so high that they couldn't get by it? Is there one like that here today? Pray for me. I've got a family or friend, man, a family member or friend, and they're too close to the edge today. Would you pray for me? Put your hand way up in the air today. Let me see it. God bless you. Amen. 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 Lots of hands. God bless you. Amen. Amen. Thank you, sir. Thank you. Are there any here today who say, Preacher, I don't know the Lord Jesus Christ as my personal Savior, and I'm looking into the pit of hell. And I'm tottering there today. I, I don't know what to do. I, I, I want to know Christ. I, I want to have that Christian life, but I just don't know what to do. Is there one like that here today that I could pray for and say, Lord, please help them to know Christ as their Savior today. Let someone take a Bible and show you how, how to be saved today. Is there one like that here today? I'm not saved. I don't know Christ. I'd like to know him. Is there one like that? Father, today I pray that you would help those who have friends and loved ones who are too close. And Father, maybe today that other group of people that raised their hands are those people that have said, I know I'm right there. I'm, I'm tottering. I'm not where I should be. I, I'm not serving the Lord. I, I'm not in a right worship. Maybe it's them. I don't know. And I pray that you'd bring those two groups of people together today.
And, and I pray that they'd be able to pray together. Father, one would encourage the other to be right. And Father, maybe today that person's not here. And I pray that something would come and say, Lord, just watch out for my children today. Watch out for my grandkids today. God, help me to be a hedge for them. Help me to be the right standard for them. Maybe someone would come today and say, Preacher, would you pray with me? I need some spiritual help. And God's put you in my life. Whatever the need, I pray that you provide it today. We pray it in Jesus' name. Let's stand to our feet, please. Our heads are bowed, our eyes are closed. Something a little bit different today. With your head bowed and your eyes closed, would you do this? Would you begin to pray right now, whatever need you have in your life? As the piano begins to play, would you do that? When you're done praying, you can be seated. Would you pray today, God, let me see that hedge of protection in my life. Let me know what it is. It might be your spouse. It might be your parents. It might be your pastor. It could be this church. I don't know. But God, I want to see the hedge of protection you put around me today. Would you pray this today? God, I know the hedge of protection, and I've slipped out from behind it. And I'm out in the open. I'm out where Satan can have full, full use of me. And maybe he is. If you need to come forward to this altar today, you can do that. But if you'll pray where you're at, I'd appreciate that. You're always welcome to come to the altar here. Maybe today you say, listen, I'm, I'm right on the brink. I'm, I'm ready to fall over. I, I'm ready to leave the things of Christ. I've had a hard year. It's been a, lot, a hard couple of years, and, and, and I just don't know if I can go on. Would you pray and say, God, please help me? Before I fall, help me. When you're done praying, you can go ahead and be seated. Some have already been seated. You can join them. God, let me see the hedge before the edge. And know this, that Satan will have no hedge of protection for you. He'll promise you all kinds of things. He'll tell you it'll be great, but you'll get out there and it'll hurt so bad, it'll mess you up. He'll love it and you'll hate it. When you're done praying, you can be seated. God, help me today. Help me as an uncle or an aunt to help my nieces or nephews. God, help me as a grandparent today to protect my grandkids. God, today, help me. Put your arms around me.